We're in 2 Samuel 13, and uh, we'll do verses 1 through 22, and we're, we're going to close with Psalm 21, because many of the Psalms were written in the time frame as David is going through a lot of his difficulties and troubles and, and his victories, and even uh, when he was in sin with Bathsheba and killing Uriah and all that. But we have David and Joab, his general. They've taken the spoils of the Ammonite cities. Taking these spoils, the Ammonites were a numerous people, and Israel has become very rich by the spoils of the Ammonites. And this doesn't hurt David's popularity in the least. In the eyes of the people, David is a good king at least for the time being. In 1 Chronicles 20, in the old King James, it says, speaks of David bringing out of Rabbah, the capital city of the Ammonites, exceedingly great spoils. But David also, he killed many of the people of Ammon with uh, iron implements like saws and axes and this kind of thing. And he made slaves out of many of them also. And then David goes back to Jerusalem. And time goes by. David's children, they're now growing up. David was about 50 years old when uh, he had his episode with Bathsheba and killed Uriah. But now we have trouble brewing within David's descendants, within his family. And so let's read 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 14. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Ammon to do anything to her. But Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Ammon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come in and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother's Amnon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. 
Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please say to the king, uh, speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Absalom and Amnon are half-brothers. Amnon is David's oldest son. And Amnon, it says he's in love, but he was really in lust, and there is a great difference. And he's in lust for his half-brother's sister, who is his half-sister also. Now, at this time, there was no absolute, absolute prohibition against taking a near relative as wife in Israel. But all Amnon can think about, all that possesses his mind, is Tamar. Tamar, she owns him in his thought life. Day and night, all Amnon can think about is Tamar. Enter Jonadab, a cousin of Amnon. This is David's brother's son. We read that Jonadab was very crafty. Let me translate that for you. He was an evil-thinking man. He sets up this whole thing. Now, Amnon was David's oldest son. He's heir to the throne. Jonadab is scheming. He's plotting. Maybe he wants to align himself with Amnon for a future position as a counselor of Amnon. He realized that the oldest son was in line for the throne. And Jonadab is a type of person that you have to be aware of. He's very politically ambitious. Friends and advisors like Jonadab, they bring death with their evil advice. If I could say anything to our young people, it would be this kind of the same thing I said to my sons. Choose your friends carefully, and you will find dad saying yes to many of your plans versus a constant no if you choose bad friends. So make life easy on yourself. Choose good friends. But we see Jonadab giving evil advice, criminal advice, in a plan on how to sin given to Amnon. He says, Amnon, lay down. Pretend you are sick. Lie to your father David and ask for Tamar to come and prepare you some little cakes to eat. Jonadab is sinister. 
he is plotting and planning for Ammon to sin. He's part of it. Jonadab is setting up the circumstance for Amnon to rape Tamar. King David, he falls for Amnon's lie of being sick and sends Tamar to her encounter of rape sent by her father. David, hopefully a trusted father, but he makes a very foolish decision here. And he made many concerning his children. But it's brought about, this whole plan and schemes brought about by evil advisor, Jonadab. This comes about because David now has many wives and many children. And he will have numerous grandchildren. Was David deceived in this? Well, I think he was. I think that's the truth. And we see David's past sins beginning to catch up with him because kings were forbidden to add wives and David had added wives. So we now have this sin coming full circle. David will begin what we call a reaping process for the past sins that he was forbidden of adding wives and that kind of thing. David's children from these added wives will now grieve David and they will grieve him greatly with their sins. Tamar, at David's instructions, her own father goes to her half-brother, Amnon, to nurse him back to health. It's hard to nurse somebody back to health that's faking an illness. Amnon, he wants food specially prepared for him that only his sister can make. This gives us a little insight into his, what, being spoiled? I would call it being spoiled. He needs a special treatment because he's sick. He can't eat regular food. Regardless, David sends Tamar to Amnon's house. She needs the dough right there in front of him. She bakes some cakes for Amnon. She places the cakes before him but Amnon refuses to eat. He says, have everyone leave the room and leave me and Tamar alone together. Tamar, she takes Amnon the cakes. He grabs her and tells her, come lay with me, my sister. And Tamar, to her credit, desperately tries to reason with Amnon. Know my brother, do not force me. Do not do this disgraceful thing. In other words, do not rape me. She says, this rape will bring shame upon me. And you, Amnon, will be counted as one of the fools of Israel if you do this thing. And then she says, I will even marry you if you will not do this thing. If you will not bring this shame on me, I will become your wife. 
She said, for the king, my father, your father, he will not withhold me from you if you go to him and ask for my hand. Do the honorable thing, Amnon, please. But Amnon, he won't listen to her. Being the stronger, he takes her, forces himself upon her, and has sex with her. To me, it's amazing that Tamar was willing to be Amnon's wife. But Amnon, please don't shame me. Don't shame me by raping me. And then she appeals to him, you'll be considered a fool for doing this. But Tamar, willing to submit to be Amnon's wife, but she begs him to do the honorable thing. The honorable thing, David will give me to you as a wife. That would be honorable. And we read that Amnon loved and lusted for Tamar, but we don't read about her having those kind of feelings for him. Tamar, willing to give up her hopes of finding her husband, a man of, you know, honorable uh, choice, to love and to marry and to give children through, she offers herself to Amnon. Just do the right thing, Amnon. But lust prevails. Amnon rapes Tamar. Tamar, the king's daughter, a lovely young lady, a virgin disgraced by her older half-brother. What will become of this relationship? Well, it tells us in verses 15 through 22. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called for his servants who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such, such apparel, and his servants put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head. She tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. The results of this forced sexual encounter 
it's not uncommon for it to turn to bitterness. And it does with Amnon right away. Amnon now hates Tamar exceedingly. His hatred is greater than the love or the lust that he ever had for her. He tells Tamar, arise, leave, get out of here, be gone. Tamar is doubly offended. No, is her reply. Sending me away is worse than the raping of me. Now that's hard for us to imagine. But now he not only has raped her, now he's rejecting her totally and completely. Amnon has taken away from Tamar by his sexual sin. He's taken away her future. What has she got to look forward to? In our society today, rape is a capital offense. We send men to prison for rape. But yet, rape and sexual misconduct, it fills the nightly news. Tamar considers sending her away is shame is worse than the rape. And I don't know if I totally understand all that. But Amnon has stolen Tamar's reputation. We see many young women enter into prostitution because of sexual abuse by a trusted family member even today. The sexual slave trade is alive and well because of a trusted figure taking advantage of a young girl. Tamar, in the Jewish society, she is damaged goods now. She is forced to leave Amnon's house in shame. Her colorful robe that designated her as being one of the king's virgin daughters, she tears it. Puts ashes on her head and goes away weeping bitterly. Let me jump you forward for a moment and we'll get back. But Tamar will eventually marry Uriel of Gibeah, become the mother of Makkah, a future queen of Judah who marries Abijah. So the Lord does give her a future. Back to her shame by Ammon. Absalom, Tamar's brother, finds Tamar and he asks her, has Ammon been with you? Hold your peace, my sister. This was not your fault. So Absalom is trying to comfort his sister. Tamar remains in Absalom's house. And it appears that Absalom is being forthright and doing the right thing. But the great question and there is a great question here. Why does Tamar go to Absalom? 
Why doesn't she go to her father, David? Absalom, he holds a grudge. He will eventually kill Amnon. But for two years, Absalom allows his hate of Ammon to grow and to fester. And he comes up with a plan how to kill Ammon. But for two years, her father, King David, does nothing about this horrible crime within his family. David, the king, does nothing. Meanwhile, Absalom, he plots revenge. Absalom sees his father David doing nothing about Amnon's raping Tamar, who is David's daughter. David is inactive. He's caught in a dilemma. And that dilemma is, how can I say something to my son about rape and sin when I'm guilty of it myself? I think David's own sin hinders him from saying anything to his own son or condemning his own son. But think for a moment how Tamar must feel. How does she view her father David for doing nothing to his son for raping her. And therein lies the great lesson for us. We must stand for righteousness, my Christian friend. We have to. And do not allow past sins, and we all have them, to silence you. Don't allow sin to hold you captive. We are called to temperance in our society. We are to be salt and light in our society. And our message should be one of righteousness. And if necessary, we're to warn people you may be sinning now and you may find it pleasurable, but it will have its consequence on you. It's strange, a criminal or a, a person that is extremely sinful, they never think of the consequence. But there is a reaping and sowing process. We're to warn people who are tempted by sin. It's that simple. But during this time in David's life, he writes many psalms. And we try to intermingle those psalms as we go through the scriptures in chronological order or attempting to anyway. So I want to read Psalm 22, uh, 21 to you. The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord. And in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet with the 
with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. You ask life from you. You gave it to him. Link the days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation. Honor and majesty you have placed upon him. You have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. Your hand will find all your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. You shall make them a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and his fire shall devour them. Their offerings you shall destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. For they intended evil against you. They devised plots which they are not able to perform. Therefore you will make them turn their back. You will make ready your arrows on your string towards their faces. Be exalted, O Lord. In your own strength we will sing and praise your power. I love to read the Psalms when I'm downcast. You ever get that feeling that things are going so bad I think I'll eat worms and die? Read Psalms. <laughs> they will lift you up. It's hard to read Psalms and stay depressed. And David, in his many sins, and he had them, in his many shortcomings, in his failure to be a good father, he still turned to the Lord, and the Lord gave him peace. If you're feeling down and out, read a psalm. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we read of David. We read of Amnon. And their sins are grievous, Lord, and they offend us just to read about them. But yet you're loving, kind, forgiving. And you called David a man after your own heart who was many times very sinful. But you loved him, and he loved you, Lord, and in his own way he had a great ability to totally and completely repent. And so, Lord, therein lies a key to your heart. Let us be quick to repent, quick to turn from our sins, and quick to embrace you, Lord. And thank you for, for your loving kindness to us. And, Lord, someday we will, we will walk with David, and we will talk to Tamar, and we will see that it was well worth living a righteous life. So we look forward to that day, Lord. But in the meantime, help us to be firm against sin, Lord. May we find no place for sin. May we never justify sin in our own lives. May we be quick to repent, turn to you with our whole heart. Thank you for repentance. We get to turn away from our sins and settle things with you just by repenting, Lord. So we thank you for that.
be with us these uh, Memorial Day weekend as we celebrate uh, uh, a time where those, as Don said, fought for our nation. Heroes of, of our country, Lord. Loyal, patriotic heroes. We thank you for men that have gone before us, willing to lay down their life for us and for our freedom. Thank you for such courageous men, Lord. We recognize them and we honor them. And Lord, we pray that you would bless their families. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.